my first reading of uh, classical Greek literature was the orator Lysias. And the first line I ever read in classical Greek is translated something like, to begin to speak is not the problem, but having begun to speak, to find an end, that's the problem. <laughs> so that's what we experience with this. For me, I want to focus on two people, um, or an incident and a person. Um, Elias Shakur is somebody that I have met three times um, in my visits to Israel. Elias Shakur is an archbishop, or was, of an ancient and old Catholic tradition. Um, although in some ways he's under the Pope, he is actually not under the Pope because they're one of the side Catholic churches. He is a man that has impressed me more each time I have met him. He can be very blunt and gruff. And his first question to every group I've taken is, why are you here? And for the first couple of times, um, my answer, like others, was, well, I'm here to see the, you know, the sites that I teach about, and I want to see where Jesus walked and where Paul was. And uh, he would then chide us for being there for that. He would respond each time, you should be here for the living stones not for dead stones. Each time I've gone, I've reflected on this, um, and I've reflected on this man and what it is that he does. Here's a man who, as a young man, as a boy in his family, had his ancestral land stolen from him, taken in a ruse um, as the European Jews were coming and taking the land of Israel. It was being transitioned and um, separated us from his father for, for some time, many years, until his father found a way back into the country. A man who went off to study for the priesthood, and when he came back was sent off to this little place out in the middle of nowhere. And he um, was only supposed to be for a short time, and now he's retired in this place where he has built a school, He's built orphanages. He has worked um, tirelessly um, against regimes and despite regimes and under regimes in order to um, build a school and have a community where Christian, Jewish, and Muslim children could all learn together. Um, and a man who, on my second trip, said, I have to go because the Prime Minister's father has died and I must go down and give him my condolences. The very man who would be stopping him from doing many things. And who each time I have heard him, he has said something like this. Now understand, a Palestinian man, he has no rights in this country really, um, and he's had his land stolen, his whole family, all their land stolen. He says to us, if you want to be friends of us, please be friends. If you want to be friends of Israel, please be friends. Love them. If you want to hate Israel and love us, then please go away. We don't want you as our friend. And this time, 
He says to us, please pray for Israel. They've gotten themselves into a real bind that they can't get out of. And he talked with us about the problems. And he wants us to pray for his persecutors. Because they've gotten themselves into a bind. He is part of the bind they've gotten themselves into. He asked us to pray for those who are persecuting him. Second thing that uh, struck me that I'll finish with is about a young man by the name of George. And it comes to me in conjunction with our stop. We were stopped at one of the checkpoints because we came down through Samaria, which not many people get to do. We exited from Samaria into um, Israeli-controlled uh, territory again through a non-normal route. And we were stopped, and our bus was searched, and Jeff got to be taken off. And uh, taken off in a little hut where they looked at his stuff. Um, My baggage. His baggage, <laughs> yes. We were inconvenienced for a while. And right ahead of us, there was a car with two young men, two Palestinian young men, who I met the next day. Um, and they were made to leave their car. Stuff was put down on the ground. Their car was taken off and put into a compound where it was completely and utterly searched. Inconveniences for us. But here were these Palestinians dealing with this. Our guests or hosts in Bethlehem, we were hosted in Palestinian <coughs> three Catholic family homes in Palestine in Bethlehem. And our host was George. And as we were talking, we related about our experience at the checkpoint. And he told us about his experience just recently at a checkpoint, where he had been to his wife's home. He had come back, he was on his way back to their house, and as he came through, he was pulled over at a checkpoint, and he was told to wait there. And he waited for five hours. He wasn't allowed to play his radio, he wasn't allowed to smoke, he wasn't allowed to get out of his car, he wasn't allowed to do anything but sit there and wait. After five hours, the young guard Israelis will tell you, these young people are bored and they find things to do. This is one of the things they found. And they came and he said, so where were you? He told them, why were you there? He told them, he said, fine, off you go. The doctor of ministry student who was in my group asked probably the most impressive question because of the answer. He said, George, how did you deal with your feelings about that? And this is what I take away from this trip as the thing that has impressed upon me the situation of Christians, even nominal Christians. He said, I felt nothing. I felt nothing. He can't feel. And so he doesn't. That's how our brothers and sisters in Christ are living in that land. They can't feel anything. Because if they feel the injustice, they can't deal with it. 
But he is a nominal Christian. When we talked more, said, but we can't retaliate because Jesus tells us to turn the other cheek. I came away from my visit to Israel-Palestine this year feeling humbled and shamed by my <coughs> lack of really having to live in this world and deal with what Jesus expects us to do. And here I was in the presence of people that we would consider nominal Christians who literally turn the other cheek and pray for those who persecute them. That's what impressed me this year in my trip to Israel. Thank you.